are in week two of our fall series called What is Christianity Really? And so we are answering 2,000 years worth of discussion about this and solving it once for all. So that's really kind of cool. Last week we talked about Jesus, that Christianity is really about believing and following Jesus, that he is the Savior. And I've got to say, this has been a huge week bringing salvation to the world, uh, not just through Jesus, but through the dating relationship of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Salvation is here. Um, He got 1.3 million new followers on his three platforms this week. His jersey sales went up well over 400%. The Chiefs game last week was the most watched show of the week with 24.3 million viewers dominating for the first time in NFL history. Every female demographic, 12 through 17, 18 through 34, 35 through 49, and 50 plus. Google had trouble, Google had trouble. Handling the social media traffic generated by Taylor Swift's game day puzzle challenge. Uh, Millions of Google searches including who is Travis Kelsey? What is a tight end? How to play football? One TikTok post among many went viral. It was a woman talking to her husband about the rumors of them dating, and she says, quote, the news about Taylor Swift, and Kelsey is going crazy right now. It's so cool, she's gonna help put him on the map. I think we have more NFL fans in the last service than this service. This is facts here. 22.8 million men started growing a firefighter mustache. I'm proud of myself for that one. The NFL promotion song this week uh, went from P.O.D.'s Boom, which is this song right here. All right, so that's 90s metal. It's perfect for the NFL. Right in the demographic of somebody exactly 50 years old, totally shouts football. This was the NFL theme song this week. I'm not kidding. The world has turned entirely upside down. Um, But I'm convinced that because of this dating relationship, this broken world can, in fact, be saved. Because I am not exaggerating, for the first time in decades, the Republicans and the Democrats got together this week to pass a continuous bipartisan resolution bill to keep the U.S. government open. That is the first time this kind of world piece has happened in a very, very long time. Uh, And I do think we could write in co-presidency, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, and we'd be much, much better off than we are now. So we're having some fun with this, but the reality is that we could use a little bit of levity because the world is a little bit rough. It's a little chaotic. It's a little broken. And since the beginning of, of humankind, we have been sort of working together to make this place better, right? We've been working together to make this place better. There are entire disciplines and fields dedicated to try to make this broken world better. Some of them include philosophy. These are the brightest minds, men and women over thousands of years, putting their heads together, thinking deeply about uh, why things are the way they are and how things could possibly be better in terms of generating a a narrative of our existence, our, our, our past, our present, and our future. Good philosophical work trying to make this world better. Uh, Politics is a discipline, trying to make this world better. Governmental policies envisioned and implemented to improve society's function and to improve society's future. The fields of, of the sciences through experimentation 
and reason to discover why things work and how things can work better societally. The fields of education, instruct, instructing towards affecting change in the learner and ultimately toward the goal of, of affecting change societally. And then the religious fields, envisioning the divine, connecting with God, and then to try to discern what his will is for his creation. As the Bible says, his good and perfect will. So there's all these fields, among many others, that are dedicated to trying to identify why is this world broken, why are we struggling, and how can we build a better world together? I guarantee the vocation that, that you're in is in some way working to try to improve the condition of this world, to make this broken world more whole, to make this dark world more full of light, right? That's the journey we're kind of all on. So when we ask the question, what is Christianity really? It is in the religious field, it's in the religious domain. It is one of thousands of formal religions on, on the earth. It happens to be unique in several ways. So when we talk about what is Christianity really, we're dialing in on what is unique about Christianity itself, what's unique about the message, what's unique about the saving work that Christianity is, is really striving for. So last week we talked about what is Christianity really? It is Jesus. Christianity really is about believing in and following Jesus, specifically the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So last week we went through this narrative of how the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus isn't just his history 2,000 years ago, but it's the narrative of, of God's saving work on the earth. The life of Christ was projecting the heart of God for how things could be and should be on earth. Love and kindness and grace and, and, and helping people that are in need, the poor and the lonely and the sick and the outcast, to have a world that's free of judgment and divisions and bringing people together and creating a movement of love. But the darkness of the world snuffed him out. And so the sin of the world put to death the very light of heaven. And we see that even today, that sometimes corners of the world or even in our own lives sometimes gets pretty dark and we feel kind of the crushing weight of the brokenness of the world. But on the third day, there's resurrection, showing that there is hope ahead and better days ahead and life ahead. Uh, there's a, a kingdom of heaven coming to earth that's gonna transform this place and even beyond the grave, there is eternal life. So what is Christianity really? It's believing in and following Jesus. Following Jesus, that Jesus is the savior of the world. And so what is the saving work of Jesus? Mercy to the poor, justice to the oppressed, unconditional love for everyone, the making of a new world that Jesus called the kingdom of heaven on earth, and even hope of everlasting life. That's what Christianity is really, Jesus. Today we're gonna to talk about what is Christianity really? It's faith. Christianity is a faith. What is that faith in? That faith is that God is saving the world through Jesus alone, received by faith alone. This is what makes the Christian religion extraordinarily different. It's about faith, not about works. It's about receiving what God has done for us as opposed to trying to make stuff happen for God or make stuff happen for us. It's not about works. And I'm telling you, this is a, a radical idea, absolutely radical idea, because if you were to line up the thousands of religions on earth, between four and 16,000 formal religions on earth, you would not see faith in there, at least not very much. What you'll see is works. What you'll see is the doing, the practicing. 
what you'll see in virtually every single form of religion is what you need to do to worship God, what you need to do to worship God appropriately, what you need to do to sacrifice for God, what you need to do to obey God, what you need to do to please God, what you need to do to, to please the religious leadership, what you need to do to get God to answer your prayers or to, to, to heal your disease. It's all about what we do, all of it. Even in the Jewish Bible, which is our Old Testament, right? The Jewish Bible is not about faith and not about belief, which I know kind of shocks us because we're so used to hearing about faith and hearing about belief, but it's near absent in the Old Testament. What you have in the Old Testament is doing, doing, doing. Here's what you have to do, like every other religion, to worship God, to sacrifice for God, to obey God, to please God, to please the religious leadership. It's all there in the Old Testament, specifically through the commands the 10 commandments and the 603 others that are surrounding that. Here's the summary statement in the Old Testament, Leviticus 22, 31. You must faithfully keep all my commandments and do them for I am the Lord. Followed by a promise, you do them, you're gonna be blessed. If you don't do them, you're not gonna be blessed. That's religion. That's the Jewish religion. That's every religion. It's about doing, doing, doing. Well, who's got the right God? Follow that God. Who's got the right religious practices? Do those. Who's got the right commandments? Do those. And if you do them, God will bless you. That's just standard, standard religion. That's the religion that Jesus was born in. That's why we have the Old Testament. This is the religion that Jesus was born in. And Jesus never knocks his Jewish religion, never. In fact, he acknowledges it and he says, hey, listen, blessed are you, Jewish people who follow that, no problem but I want to introduce you to a concept that is totally new, never been revealed on the face of the earth before, that our relationship with God doesn't have to be about the doing. It doesn't have to be about the practicing of a religion or the following of the commandments. It doesn't have to be about doing, it can be about believing. So Jesus is continually talking about believing. Jesus talks more about belief in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books, than the entire Old Testament time, you know, times 100. Jesus is introducing a brand new concept that our relationship with God is based on belief, not about works. Here's what he says in John 5, 24, just one of hundreds of examples. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but have already passed from death into life. And then time and time again, believe me, believe me, believe me. Believe in me, believe in God through me. Jesus is constantly talking about belief, not doing, believing. And then you have the first church in the book of Acts and they just nailed it. Acts 15, 11, the sermon, we believe that we are all saved in the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally different, not talking about believing, not talking about the commandments, not talking about believing correctly or believing sincerely, or here's what you do in worship and here's what you do to obey and here's what you do to be devout, none of it. Just believe. Believe in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. A Couple decades later, now you have the very first organized church, right? 60, 70 AD. Apostle Paul is writing to Titus, a pastor um, in a church, and he says this. Now get this, it's all about what God does for us. Just believe me. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the spirit of Jesus Christ our Savior. 
Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Is there anything there about our part? Is there anything that we have to do to earn it? Are there any lists of commandments that we have to obey here? The answer is no. Is there a list of doctrines that we've gotta get right? The answer is no. Just believe what he has done for us through Jesus. And some of the phrases in this beautiful presentation of the good news is that it is about God's kindness and love. It's not about our righteousness or our obedience or our devotion. He washed away our sins. It's his grace that declares us righteous, perfect in his sight. It is his grace that we have the confidence to live in new and eternal life. It's just about believing what he has done. What do we do? What do we do in this whole equation? Nothing. If you're taking notes, nothing. I don't know how to spell it, but it's nothing. We don't do anything. There's nothing we can do to earn anything from God. He just says, believe me. And here's just a list. Believe that God loves us unconditionally. Believe it. Believe that God's forgiven us. Past, present, future, just done. Believe that God welcomes everyone as they are. Believe that God declares us perfect in his sight. Believe that God treats us like his very own child. Believe that God welcomes us into his eternal family. Believe that God is making a whole new world on earth. That's a world of love. Believe it. Because if we believe what God says and we believe what God promises, I, I am telling you, it's a better life. Life will be better if we believe what God says. God doesn't ask us to do anything. He just asks us to believe what he's already done. If we believe God, if we believe in his love and grace and his mercy that he's proven through Jesus Christ, our life is just better. We walk through our entire existence Believing the love of God, feeling the love of God, experiencing the love of God, even when things get bad and even though we might get you know, kind of sucked in, in, into sometimes the, the suffering of the world, either in ourselves or our families, we hurt and that's okay and we cry and we grieve and all that's okay, but underneath that, there's this promise of God that we believe. God, we know you're still here and that you love us and that there's life ahead and good things ahead and there's an eternal life ahead. That belief makes this life better. Jesus called that the uh, full life, right? In John 10, 10, there's this full life that he lays out. It's a life of belief. But if we don't believe these things, if we don't believe God's love, we don't believe that we're forgiven, we believe that we're separated from God, or we believe that he needs us or wants us to do more things and be more obedient and believe all the right stuff, if we believe that God requires things from us, then life is not gonna be as good as it can be because we live with this sense of separation from God, we live with this fear of God, uh, fear that may, he might get us back for something we've done, fear that maybe when we die, we may or may not go to heaven. I mean, there are people today that still carry that kind of burden. Are my loved ones gonna go to heaven or hell? I mean, there's just like this fear and dread. Where do I stand with God? Where do my loved ones stand with God? You know, is he really here? Does he really care? That's a tougher life. A life in John 10, 10, where Jesus says, that's a life that kills and steals and destroys. He's urging us to believe. He's urging us to have faith, to have faith. So what is faith? What is faith? The New Testament uses uh, this word faith a ton. It is the Greek word pistis, and it's translated belief, faith, or trust. Belief, faith, or trust. So every time the Bible uses the words belief, faith, or trust, 
Typically, about 95% of the time, it's translated from the Greek original word pistis. Now, the original intent of that word is to simply trust in what God has done for us. I'm gonna quote uh, an academic who's also a pastor, Teresa Morgan, and she says this in a, in a book that she wrote about the word pistis in the, in the New Testament. She says, to the earliest Christians, faith was a relationship of trust and faithfulness between God and human beings, which also shaped relationships between human beings. It was about trust. So the early Christians understood that this word used throughout the Bible, Jesus used it hundreds of times. The new uh, church in the book of Acts and then uh, the letters uh, to the established church in the New Testament also use this word hundreds of times. It's the key word of Christianity. What is Christianity really? It is pistis, it's faith. It's trusting God. But in short order, within about a couple hundred years, Teresa Morgan noticed historically that the word pistis was changed, the definition was changed. No longer was it about trusting God, it was about something we had to do. The definition of pistis, the definition of faith changed. And it became something entirely different that religious Christians today still hold to, incorrectly. Here's how we believe about faith today. We believe faith is about believing the right things about God. That's faith. Have faith in God means believing the right things. And so we ask ourselves the question sometimes, well, what do you have to believe to be saved? That's not pistis, that's a work. If my eternal life has to do with me getting some doctrinal questions right, we're all in trouble. But that's what it's become. Hey, you have to believe the right things. And so you will have, I'm telling you, the majority of pastors are still asking that question. Well, what do people have to believe to be saved? Well, they have to believe this and this and this and this. Well, they have to believe in Jesus. Well, which Jesus? They have to believe what about Jesus? And they're talking about virgin birth and Mary's and, 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 and the Trinity. And there's all kinds of, the list is a mile long. What pastors will argue about, about what you have to believe to be saved. Total misunderstanding of the word pistis. If we really understand that faith is just about trusting God, we would not worry so much about what we have to believe. That's a work. That's what we generate. It's almost like God's out there going, you better get this right. You better get me right. You better get my son Jesus right. You better get the message right. You better know, 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 know all this stuff. And when we believe the right things, God goes, ah, now I used to be mad at you because you didn't believe the right things. Now you believe the right things. So ah, here's heaven. You were going to hell like five minutes ago. But now you believe the right things, so come to heaven. I know we can chuckle about it, but I'm telling you millions and millions and millions of people are in that world. Do I believe the right things? That's not pistis, that's not faith. Faith has also turned into this faithful devotion to God. Not only do I have to have faith in the right things, but I have to be faithfully devoted to God. And I'm telling you, the whole religious industry is about, hey, believe the right things, believe it sincerely, and then be faithfully devoted to God. If you're not, is your faith really sincere? If you're not, is your faith really strong enough? And then we use fear and guilt to weigh people down. You have to believe the right things and you have to believe it sincerely and then you have to live a life faithfully devoted to God. Is that about believing in God? No, that's about believing in me. My ability to believe the right things, my ability to be sincere about what I believe and my ability to be devoted to God. That is not faith in God. That's a work. That's a work. And I'm telling you, it is so easy for all of us to slip back into that. 
the entire organized church within 200 years totally forgot about the entire teaching about faith in God. And it became just another religion. Stuff we have to believe and stuff we have to do. Stuff we have to believe and stuff we have to do. You go to most churches, here's the stuff you have to believe, here's the stuff you have to do. Just check, 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 check. Religion, religion, religion. That's not faith in God. The whole book of Galatians is the Apostle Paul kind of shouting from a hilltop, you're not getting it. This church at Galatia received this gospel of grace, this good news so quickly, and they were so excited. We are free from the burden, we're free from shame, we're free from guilt, we're just children of God, freely forgiven us, he's freely accepted us, we're just enjoying the full embrace of God and it's so good. In five minutes, they go right back to religion. Well, do we have to demand everyone get circumcised? That's what the Bible says in our Jewish scripture. And the non-Jews are going, I don't think that's a good idea at all. But there's a big debate. No, the Bible says in the Jewish scripture that everybody's gotta be circumcised, so all you non-Jews line up. And they're putting these burdens on people. Law, law, command, command, burden, burden. You're not good enough, you don't do it right. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the spirit, the freedom of the spirit and the freedom of God's grace and the freedom of belief, why are you now trying to become right with God by your own human efforts? So what is faith, really, what is faith? I think it's simply trusting what God has already done for us. That's all it is. Simply trusting what God has already done for us. Simply trusting that I'm already loved and always will be, and I just believe it. Just simply trusting that I'm forgiven of everything, past, present, and future, and always will be, I just believe it. I'm already God's son, I'm already God's daughter, I just believe it. I already know he's declared me perfect, I just believe it. I'm already an accepted part of his family, I just believe it. I'm already a part of a whole new life, building a whole new world of love, I just believe it. I'm already forever his, I just believe it. Just believe what God has already done. I'm gonna give a couple of really super cool church examples, you ready? All right. Is this table strong? Is this table strong? I can believe it or not. If I don't believe this table is strong, if I believe it's flimsy and weak and would collapse, I'm gonna be carrying a burden, right? Because I'm not putting my stuff on a table that is flimsy and could break. But it, I don't know, it's just I'm believing one way or the other. If I believe the table is weak, I'm not gonna put my stuff on it, I'm not gonna lean on it all cool because I don't know, right? But if I believe this table is strong, it's just a belief right now, I'm gonna lean into this table. I'm gonna go, oh yeah, this is, I hope this holds. All right, it holds. I believe it's strong, so I'm gonna lean into it, right? My life's gonna really, you know, kind of be in the life of this table, and I'm gonna have all the benefits of this table. Instead of carrying around all this burden, I'm gonna put my burdens on this table with confidence. I mean, these are two Apple products. This is like 60,000 bucks I can put on this table, right? With trust, it's a strong, sturdy table. And I can lean into it and put my burdens on it because of what I believed about this table. Make sense? My belief does not make this table strong or weak, does it? it? Has no impact on whether this table is strong or weak. My belief has no impact on what God has already done for me, none. Just a matter of whether I lean into it or not. It's a matter of whether I experience it or not, which is why the Bible says if we don't know or believe, we are living in darkness. It's not that God 
hasn't forgiven us or hasn't given us new and eternal life. It's just that I'm not living into it and I'm carrying these burdens. Belief just says, okay, God, I believe what you already did. Now I'm gonna lean into it and I'm gonna live on it and I'm gonna have my burdens freed. Thank you, God, I believe it. It's a whole new wonderful life. Here's another little cool church example. Uh, you might have known that our uh, keyboard player wasn't here today, Alex, you know, incredible musician. He is, no offense to anybody else, but like the brains of the operation, you see that microphone over there? He's telling everybody what to do and when to do it. And he's got a computer over there that fires off all the triggers that do a lot of stuff around here that I can't even pretend to understand. Well, he's not here today. And so Evan took a wireless keyboard that's about that big, and you might've noticed he put it on the ground. There was an Apple, little tiny Apple wireless keyboard on the ground, and he was hitting the space bar with his foot. And he says, I know this looks really cheesy. You're gonna have to trust me. <laughs> This little wireless keyboard, I gotta trust the Bluetooth to that thing over there, and it's about at the max. There's a wireless signal that is connected to that Macintosh over there that triggers a whole lot of stuff that makes worship happen. Do you know the pistis, the trust that has to happen with all those things? I wish he didn't tell me about any of that because the entire time over there, I'm like, is his foot gonna hit the, you know? It's pistis, it's trust. Final example, <laughs> then we'll move on. I was given a check yesterday. You know what a check of paper has a name, dollar amount, signature, and hey, you're paid. I got a piece of paper that told me I was paid. You just wrote your name on this piece of paper. You wrote a number on it, and you signed it. I had to have a lot of trust that this person wrote out a piece of paper that represents money, right? And back in the day, we used to do that all the time, right? Little checks. So there's a lot of pistis, a lot of trust that this person who wrote on this piece of paper, that that money's actually gonna get somewhere meaningful for me. Then I had to have some more faith because I put that check on a, on a tabletop and then I opened my Chase app and took the little thing and took a picture of a check. And that went off into the internet and went into their cloud computing system and then all that stuff has to churn in their cloud computing system that ends up when I go to a store that this little card on that little machine, that piece of paper went through an entire system that I'm gonna be able to walk out of the store with something that I want. You realize how much trust it takes in our financial system to make all that work? That's pistis, that's trust. If I didn't trust in the system that it's already there and already working, could you imagine the fear I'm gonna live in? I'm not accepting your check. How do I know it's whatever? I need cold, hard cash. You're gonna give me bags of cold, hard cash and you gotta figure out how to go get cash because nobody knows how to do that. And then I gotta test every bill. And I gotta, is this right? And work it through the machine. I'm not trusting the system, so I gotta go the whole thing here. I'm not putting that cash in the bank. I'm putting it in a sack under my mattress. If I don't trust the system, life isn't great. God says, there's a system out there. It's a system of grace. It just says you're forgiven of everything, period. Past, present, future, you're just forgiven. So don't worry about, oh, you fail, I have to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness and do all these things and be super sincere and have a prayer. And that, that, if that prayer is sincere, God will wipe away the sin and then he expects you not to sin again because if you sin again, then you weren't sincere about your confession, weren't sincere about your repentance. And so there's this religious system that has us all kind of wondering, am I good with God or not? God just says, hey, listen, that is old, old school religious system. Would you just trust the cloud? You're forgiven. You're good with me. You're my perfect daughter. You're my perfect son. But I don't feel perfect. I get that, but that's why Jesus came and he told you about my forgiveness. 
and he proved his love to the point of dying on a cross. I mean, to the very end, he was forgiving everyone. The thief on the cross who didn't know anything about anything, you're forgiven. The soldiers who were crucifying him, they were in the act of murdering Jesus and Jesus says, forgive them, they know not what they do. They didn't know anything. They didn't know doctrine. They didn't repent. They didn't confess. Forgiven, 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 forgiven. That's just the reality. That's the system. And if we trust that and say, okay, now I believe that I'm forgiven, now I live in the freedom of that. I can enjoy my relationship with God. I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm perfect in your eyes. You treat me like your own child, God, thank you. This is really cool. And now I've got the confidence and, and the pleasure of that relationship and I can start treating other people in, in the same way and love them and forgive them. And that's eternal life, it's just great. It's all about faith not works. Now I know a lot of you, your heads are spinning and you're like, wow, this means a lot. Yes, it does, think about it, get back to me. So that's what faith is, simply trusting what God has done through Jesus. As we wrap up here, I wanna ask, what is faith to you? What is faith to you? For some, it's a family tradition, it's just a Christian faith that moves on generation to generation and that's cool. For some, it's a little more than that. It's actually a worldview, and so your, your perspective of the world is kind of shaped by the Christian faith. God loves, he cares, there's better days ahead. For some of you, it's even more than that. For some of you, it's a, it's, it's a community, and, and you enjoy that community together. Your friends and family and church is part of a really wonderful community of faith. For some of you, it's more than that. It's the very foundation of your life. You are a follower of Jesus. That's just who you are. And from your friendships to your neighborhood and your community service and your church life and your work life, it's all through the lens that I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe in him. For some of you, and I wouldn't recommend this, it's the way in, it's the way to heaven, right? I believe in the right thing, so I'm getting into heaven. For some of you, your faith is about the assurance that you believe the right thing so you're going to heaven. And that's fine, that's fine. I'm not a big fan of that, but it's fine. What is faith to you? I really like this idea that it's our worldview, our community, and the foundation of our lives we believe in and follow Jesus. Very exciting. Now how strong is your faith? For some of you might think and admit, you know what, I'm a cynic. You tell me something, I'm immediately gonna say, I don't know about that. And there's a lot of that in the religious circles, even in Christianity. It's like, I don't know about that, right? I'm cynical. For some of you, doubt is a big part of your faith journey. Lots of doubt, lots of asking questions. For some of you, your faith is sporadic. Sometimes it happens to be good, sometimes it happens to be bad or weak. For some of you, your faith is situational. If life is going good, you're a person of faith. If life is a struggle, it's like, God, why? And where are you? And that's totally normal. For some of you, your faith is consistent. Whether things are going good or bad, you're just kind of steady, and for some of you, faith is unshakable. These are the people, the Bible says, has the spiritual gift of faith, and nothing can happen in their life that's gonna shake their faith at all. That's a very rare thing. I don't put myself in that category. Here's what I want you to understand and, and really try to settle in. The strength of your faith doesn't really matter to God. The strength of your faith or my faith does not really matter to God. God is not up there all insecure. Oh, I want everybody to have a, an unshakable faith or you're a doubter over there. Come on, dude. No, God is not impacted 
by the strength of our faith. The Bible's full of stories of people that had faith struggles. Doubting Thomas, his first name's not Doubting. <laughs> he was a doubter. And he says, I gotta see the resurrected Jesus. I'm not gonna believe this dumb story that he rose again from the dead. He says, I gotta see it. Thomas saw it. He's like, well, now I believe. And Jesus didn't light him up. He just says, Thomas, great. You had to see it to believe it. Fantastic. You're a skeptic. You're a doubter. No problem. Just for the rest of eternity, everybody's gonna know you're doubting Thomas. That's your problem. <laughs> Jesus didn't light him up. He, but he says, hey, listen, some people need to see and some people don't. He says, blessed are those who believe and don't see. That's okay too. You see where I'm getting? You see where I'm coming from? God has not been out of shape if our faith is not unshakable. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. We are so united by God, by the work that he did for us. God says, I will never, ever, ever disown you. Even if your faith is cynical or doubting or conditional, even if you lose your faith entirely, even if you are faithless, God says, we are so united that I will never, ever disown you. Because if I disown you, it would be like disowning myself. If you are faithless, I will remain faithful even to the very end. I will remain faithful to, to, to show you and prove to you my promises over you, your life. I love you unconditionally, forgiven you of everything. You are my son, you are my daughter, you are perfect in my eyes. You're an eternal part of my family here. That's who you are regardless of how faithful you are. If you are faithless, I will remain faithful. God says, I will remain faithful to love you and serve you no matter what. Our ability to have faith in God is not the issue. But when we trust what God has done for us, we simply have a better life. This rich life to the full that Jesus promises, that happens when we believe. I'm gonna close in a prayer of belief. This is not asking us to have, all have unshakable belief. This is just saying, as Thomas did, I just believe. The work that God did through Jesus. And then in about 10 minutes, we're gonna have a baptism right over there. And in, the, in that baptism, it's a symbol that is so beautiful. The symbol that I'm immersed in the grace of God and the work of God and, and are raised to a brand new life. Just enjoying everything that God has done for us. God doesn't need me to have unshakable belief. God doesn't need me to have all the right answers and believe all the right things. God doesn't need me to obey his every commandment. God doesn't need me to be devout. God doesn't need me to be all spiritual all the time. He just wants us to believe for our benefits. When we believe, our life is better, more confident, stronger, absolutely experiencing the love that God has for us. For some of you, this prayer of belief will be the first time you prayed such a prayer and made such a declaration, and I wanna welcome you to a new life of the pleasure of believing what God's done for you, free from thinking you have to do anything for God. It's a great spot to be. Let's pray. God, we confess that uh, so many of us and so much of the world has been raised with the understanding that you're perfect and you demand a whole lot from us. You demand that we believe all the right things. You demand that we are obedient. You demand that we worship you in the right way. You demand that we are devout. You demand that we are sincere. We've been raised to believe that you demand so much of us. That is not belief. 
True biblical belief is that we simply acknowledge what you've already done for us through Jesus. You've already forgiven us of everything. You've already declared us your perfect sons and daughters. You've already given us this new and eternal life in Christ. You've, always, you've already given us a place in your eternal family. Some believe and some don't. Some experience it and some don't. So God, today we express simple faith in all you've done for us through Jesus. We're forgiven, we're your child, we're a part of your eternal family. We just enjoy that, we receive that, we believe that with a smile on our face, we thank you. Thank you that you require nothing of us. We do not have to believe or do the right things. You simply love us and want us to believe that we are yours no matter what. And in that belief, there's a new life ahead. In that belief, there's a life of love. In that belief, we are loved by you. And in that belief, over time, we can love the world around us better and better. So God, we believe. Thank you that you've done everything through Jesus, your son. Thank you that we can live in the confidence of your unconditional love and forgiveness. Make the world better by your love for us and by your love through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.